This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, the best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Jamar Tisby. What's going on, bro? You know, same old, same old. We back on the mic, and we have incredible guests this time. I am so excited for people to listen to this. Listen, it's been crazy because this week, this past week has been so eventful. And so if you guys are not familiar with what we are talking about, something went down at the Sparrow Conference in Dallas. And it was interesting because uh, some friends of the show, Kevin Garcia and his wife, Miriam, I saw that they were getting ready to pick up Akimini and they were getting ready to take her out to eat in Dallas, in D-Town, on these Instagram streets. And so I was really jealous. I was like, man, how y'all just going to go out and just hang out on the town <laughs> in Dallas? You're going to introduce her to all this good food. She's going to want to move there. Nah, not really. But still, she's going to want to, she's going to want to, you know, she's just going to have a good time. And then all this stuff happens. So that's what kind of drew me to Sparrow, the conference. And then all this stuff happens. And if you guys want to know a rundown of what happened, we have a phenomenal article, phenomenal article written by one of our listeners, D.D. Rowe. Yes. It's her first article on The Witness, and you guys need to convince her that she'll be her last article. No, first because of it was many. Picked up by, yes, it was picked up by Yahoo.com, and it's called Captive Audience, A Black Woman's Reflection on the Sparrow Conference. And so it talks about what happened to our sister, Akemini Uwan. Most of you guys know Akemini already, but we recognize that there are some new listeners that may not be aware, but Akemini is family, right, Jamar? She's family. Absolutely. Sister. Along with, yes, along with Christina Edmondson, Dr. Christina Edmondson, Michelle mm-hmm. Higgins. Mm-hmm. They make up Truth's Table, who've been on the podcast. We've been on their podcast. It's incredible. Go subscribe. Go to their Patreon, which is linked in the show description. But Akemini family, right? How would you describe Akemini for people? Like, <laughs> how would you describe her for people who have never heard her before? Or let's just say the interview was their first introduction to her, the interview at the Spiro Conference. They didn't know her before. You know, How would you describe her? Oh, that's easy. She's a prophet. She's a mm-hmm. truth teller. Like Everywhere she goes is the aroma of Christ. And she is someone who has done and is doing extremely hard work to study the scriptures, study culture and know the world, as well as knowing her own heart. She is a prayer warrior and she puts in all that work sort of in secret so that when she has a platform in public, no one is left, you know, in the middle. Like you have been impacted. You either love it or hate it, but that's the reaction when people are speaking truth. It divides, and you're going to find yourself on on one particular side or another. But what I appreciate and admire so much about Akemini, among many things, is that she is consistent. She's not going to soften or 
equivocate. She's going to say what she believes and she's going to mean it. And she's not going to backtrack or anything like that to, to just sort of tiptoe around hard issues. She's going to go straight there because she loves people. And she's not going to let people stay in the darkness of a lie or in the sin of idolatry if she can help it. And so that's what I appreciate about her so much. That's right. So for those who do not know her background, Akimini Uwan is a public theologian. She received her MDiv from Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. Again, she co-hosts True Stable, the podcast alongside Michelle Higgins and Dr. Christina Edmondson, some of our friends as well. Um, she won the 2015 Green Prize in Apologetics Award. And in 2018, she was listed in Christianity Today um, among uh, True Stable and some of the other people that we know and are friends with as one of the 10 new or lesser known female theologians worth knowing. Uh, her writings have been published in the Huffington Post, Black Voices, Christianity Today, and of course, right here at The Witness, BCC. Of course. So y'all know where to find her. Um, and also her insights have been quoted on CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, The New Yorker, The Atlantic, so many other publications. And we want you to also go to her blog, systematictheology.com. It's linked in the description of these show notes. Um, and read her recap of everything. Read how she ties everything together in a blog that is adapted. That's where the title of this podcast is adapted from. It says, the, the blood of Jesus is the bridge, not my back. Let me say Ooh. it again. The blood <laughs> of Jesus is the bridge. Dramatic pause, stares at the camera, not my back. Mm. Listen. That's a whole podcast right there. I mean, that's just a whole chew word. on that, chew on that that's sentence. That's why we had to make it the title of this podcast. So I just want to let you guys know the energy that we're coming with. And Akimini gives a phenomenal interview. And there's so many nuggets, so pay attention. And we hope you enjoy this conversation right here on Passing Mike with our friend, our sister, Akimini Uwan. Take a listen. Well, Akimini, it is always an honor to have you on Pass the Mike, but it is especially an honor after a difficult draining, stressful, eventful week. So thank you so much for being here in this space. Thank you all for having me today or this evening. I'm, I'm really, I'm really honored to be here um, among friends and uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to discuss all the things that you want to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Yeah. Excited. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, my first question, I mean, it's sort of two-parter. One is just how you're feeling kind of in the immediate aspect aftermath of this controversy. And then secondly, from what I saw, there was a lot of support for you. And 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 I'm wondering if you expected such an outpouring of like love and care from people. So how are you feeling? And, and in terms of the support you got, was that something unexpected or how did you react to that? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll take the second one first. You know, I uh, was shocked by the outpouring of love and support in this work, I'm oftentimes have to fend for myself, right? right? But I did not expect like for people to <laughs> encamp around me and really share the burden, right? You know, and take up, you know, this, this, uh, I guess you could say fight as if it is their own. You know, I mean, you're talking about complete strangers reaching out to me on DM. I mean, DMs flooded with over a hundred messages. And I've wow. never experienced this before. It was like, and people are like, I am emailing, I am tweeting, I am hmm. DMing, I am, I mean, I'm like, my goodness, from all walks of life, I mean, um, sisters in my DMs 
What can I do for you, sis? How can I stand by you? Mm. How can I, you, you know, be an accomplice? What can I do? You know, um, and it just like it has been a, a groundswell and something that I, you know, had not expected. I just, you know, I, I when I do this work as one who's um, an anti-racist um, public theologian, I I recognize that you know I say hard things, you know, um, but when I speak. I, by God's grace, am trying to speak with the authority that is laid down in the text of the scripture. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes right. I anchor a lot of my my things, like when I'm lecturing, right? An interview is going to be a little bit more um, stream of consciousness, if you will. But when I'm lecturing or preaching or anything like that, I'm I am letting the go- the text by God's grace govern what I'm what I'm saying. And so I, if you notice, I oftentimes don't ever defend what I say. Like if people push back, you will notice I do not go back and say, you know what? Let me clarify. Like I, I don't go back and forth with people. Um, and that because I said what I said and it's because I've what I've written or what I've come up with I has already been ran through. I've already um, put it under the eyes of several people. Um, because I believe in accountability. And so it's it's already been vetted, if you will, by other people. Um, I've prayed over it, obviously. I'm also um, running it through the sieve of God's word. And so there are things that I just know, okay, this is, this is a hard truth. It's tight, but it's right. You know, and right. so I don't often defend myself. I trust, I really entrust myself to the Lord to defend me. Um, and so in this case, where it was just such a blatant injustice on uh, so many levels, I was like, wow, like, you you know, it was just, it was just so apparent and blatant, I think, to other people that people really came in and, and I really watched the Lord fight my battle for me through other people. Hmm. Um, and that was remarkable to watch and to see. Uh, Cause you know, you go, well, Lord, are you going to fight this battle? You know, because <laughs> right, cause sometimes right. you like, you know, you're like, oh goodness, like this was really like, um, intense and really extreme, you know, and you're just like, oh God, how can you write this? Even though I know that I actually did not do anything wrong in this situation. I actually was doing what I was actually asked to do. I said what God gave me to say. Um, and it was a, it was a, I knew, I knew it would be a heavy word because God always gives me a heavy word, um, to say most of the time. I usually don't get to talk about, you know, unicorns and, and um, cotton candy. I just said, oh no, that's not what God's giving me. Can we just pause for a second? Because it is really striking me that what you just said, you did what you were asked to do. You yeah, did I what did. they brought you there for. Like, that is what's so mind boggling. They <laughs> yeah. knew what you were about. I mean, everything you've done or said, what you're about is all public. Go to the website, go to Twitter, go to your past talks. And they brought you in for that specific topic. So I'm like, what what were you expecting like what it just that that part to me is what's so confusing it's not like you went off topic or off script mm-hmm, or no. anything yeah. you did exactly what you came there to do what you were asked to do so it's just another one mm-hmm, of those things that that mm-hmm. makes you just you know shake your fist in the air mm-hmm. yeah you know there's a real spiritual element in play here too you know it's, it's spiritual warfare as well when you start idol shaking it's spiritual warfare you're hmm. entering into spiritual territory. Our idols want to sol- swallow us whole. Our sin does not want part of us. It wants all of us. And it wants to kill us fast and swiftly, sometimes slowly. It'll be a slow burn, but eventually it will kill us if, if this light of truth does not shine on our sin, right? Um, and so, but, but before I go in any deeper, I do want to say some thank yous. I do, you know, on the note of people supporting me, 
um, cause I did not get to say this last night on my, um, IG live, which will disappear, you know, by the time this comes out. Cause I don't know why you can't keep your IG lives on your page, I guess. It's crazy, right? <laughs> I don't it's think, crazy. can you? I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I need to. Maybe, I don't know. I got to ask somebody that's much more advanced <laughs> in those things. But I got to give a shout out to my two truth table sisters, um, Dr. Christina Edmondson and Michelle Higgins, who held me down. Yes, um, I did yes. not get to mention them on the IG live um, last night, um, but they were strong, strong support. Um, of course, thank you to the sisters that rallied for me um, there in Dallas across multiple multiracial you know coalition here which was like okay this is really a god thing right here <laughs> you know uh that, that really rallied for me um latasha morrison um who was doing a lot of work in the back standing in the gap doing mediation um dd Rowe, who wrote uh the, the um the article captive audience yes, you know her experience um at the sparrow conference um and of course to jane kim and um carmen uh um Kakavali who transcribe the, uh, the interview, uh, the interview so that people could at least see it even when the video was pulled down initially. So mm. I do want to say thank you to them. So, so yeah, so I would say the outpouring of love was pretty, um, astounding to me. And it was, it was such a blessing to know, I guess I hadn't known, I did not know the ways that people were impacted by my ministry. Um, Positively, you know, you do this work right. in isolation oftentimes, and I have the blessing of truth table, my, my sister's with me at the table, but in my own individual ministry, it's, it's me. <laughs> it's me mm. and Jesus, of course, but it's me with my thoughts and my Bible open and my systematic theological frameworks and categories. And it's just me thinking through these, these things and these issues. Right. And you don't know, like, does this really matter? Do people care? Mm. Mm, I don't know. You know, but you know, and it's, it's yeah. interesting you mentioned that because there is such a sense in which people are disconnected from that reality, from your reality. Yes. And you know, we have to talk about this letter. We have to talk yes. about this this yeah. blog that you wrote. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. blood of Jesus is the bridge, not my back, which is all, one of the all time great um, titles Higher. that I've ever heard said <laughs> vocally. Um, it that was string just, of words is wow, you know, right? I it's love just a powerful title now. <laughs> and, and everything. And so you use a phrase in in this particular letter where you talk about how you're a public theologian and you do anti racist work. You do anti racism yeah. work. Mm -hmm. And and I think for a lot of people, and Jamar's even mentioned this, it's not enough to be a non-racist, you must be an anti-racist. Yeah. And I agree with that. But there's a difference between being an anti-racist aspirationally, which is what most of us are doing. Mm. We are aspiring to be anti-racist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And being an anti-racist, which is how you're referring to it, is vocationally. Mm -hmm. Like this is your work. You mm -hmm. do work here. Mm -hmm. And I think that distinction is is a serious one. And so can you talk a little bit about when you say I do anti-racism work? Yeah. When you say I am an anti-racist, you know, speaker and theologian. Can you unpack for yeah. people because they're hearing it but I don't think they're getting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um when I start with the first part about being a public theologian, you know. Um so what it means to be um a public theologian is somebody who um well, who actually interacts with the, uh, the the issue topics of the day, which is what I do. So I'll interact with culture, politics, right? Um, in my case, race, right? And that's when I come into race and I'm, I'm coming from an anti-racist uh, position, right? And mm -hmm. so I, I, I'm trying to make sense of the world um, through theology. So I'm thinking about, I'm thinking thoughts about God um, and uh, 
in public, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm interpreting the things that are happening in the world, in our culture, in politics, with policy, uh, with this regime, any and everything that is happening. Um, I'm saying, what does God have to say about this? You know, what, what, what theological categories or frameworks are, um, rising to the surface with any given topic or issue? And my, my, um, job as a theologian is to be able to pick up on those themes, um, and then be able to take, say, 40,000 level foot theological frameworks and categories and, and whatnot, um, and bring them down to the ground level, you know, mm. for, um, for non-seminary, uh, uh, geeks like myself. <laughs> so <laughs> for them to understand, right. You know, to understand like, where is God in this? You know, where is God in this? What is the meaning of this? You know, so sometimes I'll be, um, reporters will reach out to me for comment for, for certain things like, uh, you know, maybe some like a comment that was said, um, by, you know, Sarah Sanders a couple months ago about God wanting Trump in office. So then I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. well, you know, so I'll, I'll explain that and, <laughs> and, and you know, and break that down with that, what that actually, what it really means and what, what the theology is behind that and what mm. leads to certain statements and things like that. So, now, as an anti-racist, so so that's that's what public theology is. Um, but primarily, I would say my ministry focuses. It's not only on racism, but it does primarily land on racism because we are in a racist country. But the focus that I have um, is, you know, on anti-racism versus, let's say, a racial reconciliation, r- racial reconciler you know, if you will. And (laughs) my job as an anti-racist, a Christian anti-racist, I would say, what what differentiates me from, say, a Christian anti-racist and, um, I'm sorry, from a secular anti-racist, I don't like secular and sacred terms, but I'm just going to use it for, you know, just the sake of simplicity. Um, As a a secular anti-racist would say that, you know, it's systems, right, that are bad and corrupt, I agree. Not people. You know, people aren't bad, it's the systems that are bad. And I'd be like, as a Christian anti-racist, I'm going to say it's both. Yeah, I'm so like, yeah. It is both, y'all. There's a reason why we lock our doors at night, right? I'm going to say both, right? So a reconciler, a racial reconciliation person is much more interested um, in finding common ground, building bridges, um, and in, in more interpersonal you know, uh, co- co- uh, connection, see- seeing race as interpersonal, not only, not, not strictly interpersonal. There are some racial reconciliation people that, that deal with the systemic as well. So I don't want to mm-hmm. make it right. seem like that's not the case. Um, but an anti-racist is about disrupting. Okay. Um, it's about actually breaking down these systems, destroy in order to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, but me as a Christian anti-racist, my aim is not to come in with a bulldozer or a sledgehammer. That's, that's not, but truth is a hammer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't need to add, um, any more, um, funk onto that. <laughs> I just need to come in more and now. speak the truth because the truth divides. The truth um, shines the light on darkness. The truth disrupts systems, um, which in Jesus Christ is the truth, right? You know, um, truth is actually a person, right? But but when I'm coming in and I'm, I'm speaking the truth about racism, what I'm trying to do is reveal the wickedness of the systems that are in play, right? But I'm also coming for idea- ideologies, racist ideologies that people have imbibed and are acting out. 
right? Yes, yes. In, in, in individualistic ways and in systemic ways, but I'm much more interested in the systemic than I am individual. But as a Christian anti-racist, I am interested in both, right? Because uh, as Fannie Lou Hamer said, and this is just a paraphrase, ain't no way you're going to see God, right? Right? You can't say, uh, if you hate anybody, you're not going to see God's face, okay? So that does matter to me, mm-hmm. right? Because I want to know, I want to know that I'm going to see you in glory. Because I know I'm going to be there. So I'm blood bot. That's true. Mm -hmm. Like you say, truth is a hammer. Bible said truth is a sword. And I think you're absolutely right. You have a certain audience in mind when you speak, I think. So I don't know what the racial demographics of this conference were. I can I can I can guess, but you mentioned a moment ago. Um, folks who supported you like Didi Rowe, Latasha Morrison, Truth's Table, and even mm-hmm. your podcast is centered on Black women. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. when you go into these spaces, correct me if I'm wrong, but you mm-hmm. talk, but but you intend to enter this space and and you are still coming there with the purpose of affirming Black people, mm-hmm. Black women specifically, and not so much to sort of... Um, I don't know a different way to say this, but sort of coddle white people. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so what? Talk about that. Talk about sure. how you know your mindset going in, who you have in mind, knowing full well that the majority of your audience may not be <laughs> that demographic group, mm-hmm. and what yeah. that's like. Yeah, that's good. Um, so when I go, you know, I think it's important to understand that my ministry is it, there's a twofold, you know, two prong, if you will. It's one of resistance toward white supremacy. Right, whiteness. You can use them interchangeably if you like. Um, and at the affirmation of Black people, and then non-Black people of color. Right. Um, and so, in any given space, this happened to be a women's conference. So obviously, it's Black women. Um, now, my, my, I am, of course, I am my sister's keeper. That is a big, um, uh, and my brother's keeper. But you know, that's but my sisters. Are, that's a that's a big focus of my ministry. Obviously, you know with of what I do, right? With truth table, but I'm going in, um, with two, with, uh, with a, a mission, you know, on two ends, obviously, um, to, to affirm black people, um, and to speak the truth about racism, um, to white people and give them a way of, um, of change, transformation, repentance, um, from racism, right. Um, through the power of the gospel, because there's enough room at the cross in the blood still works. Okay. Um, and so that is always an invitation. And then that I'm doing so in a manner that points to Christ, you know, um, cause, cause it's not enough to seek justice. We need justice and redemption. Okay. Um, I go in, so I go into these spaces that when I'm invited to go into these spaces, I weigh that I weigh, who can I, are, are the, you know, I don't care if there's one, two black people. I don't care if it's 10, 20. I don't care how many are in there. I'm, I'm definitely going in there. If, if the Lord has, has set for me to go into that space, I'm going in for them in order to affirm them. Cause I know that oftentimes, mm-hmm. um, black folks in these spaces are oftentimes very much, um, despondent, down, um, very uh, low, very depressed, uh, oppressed, right? Um, these spaces because they are the minority. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and they're subject, subjected to quite a, a lot of racism. So I go in in order to affirm them. And by speaking that truth, 
um, and I, I, they find resonance in what I'm saying, right? And so with with the white people in the audience, I'm I am in giving them an invitation you know, to taste and see that the Lord is good, you know, to see, um, that, 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 that they can experience God in so many different ways, um, and new in different ways that they had never, you know, experienced them before had, um, uh, um, while they continue to hold on, you know, to that idol of whiteness or whatever it is that I happen to be, um, calling out, you know, in that moment just depends on what, you know, what I'm speaking on or, what I'm being interviewed about, but somehow, some way I'm always um, resisting white supremacy in all its various forms. And so I fight. So I think it's important to understand. And I'm, I'll never, uh, Christina always says this, Dr. Christina Edmondson always says this, my, my good friend um, at Truth Table. She says, you know, we fight um, principalities, right? And we win people, you know? Hmm. So even when I am speaking hard truth uh, to, to white people, I am, making sure that that truth is coming from a place of love, deep agopic love. Um, that does not just, that does not, um, say yes, you know, and, and, and excuse your bad behavior. You know, that does not multiply kisses, right? Cause that's what an enemy does, you know? Um, but actually just tells you what is true, um, and what is right according you know, to God's word, right? As it revealed in his word and through the gospel. Um, and so I'm doing it, uh, I'm trying to do it. I don't, maybe I don't do it perfectly, but I try my best to do it with love and with grace. Um, right. uh, but truth is tough. It convicts, it's hard, you know? And so yeah. sometimes people feel like it's not, but I'm like, it is love. Me, me entering into a white race, racist white space is an act of love. Okay, because in this work is very dangerous. I'm putting my life on the line every time I do that. This is not a game, as I said in my letter. It's not a game. <laughs> yes, my life yes. is actually on the line when I go in. I take the I take that risk and I weigh that. But guess what? For God I live and for God I die. And I'm mm. I, I I and I will fight for this until the Lord calls me home and I feel like I pray it's a very, very long time. and I live a very, very old age, you know, <laughs> right, but, right. but really that, that, that's, that's, that's the call. You know, um, I got to believe the, the redemption and all that. Uh, I, I believe in that, but I can't bring about redemption. That is a work of the spirit. Jesus Christ is the redeemer, not a Kemeni Uwan. Okay. My job, I'm very clear on my job. <laughs> my job is to go in, speak the truth and love, offer the gospel, you know, a way forward, right? You know, you don't want to just give truth and not give people, you know, some ba- a way forward, right? Got to give them something. Um, and then I, I, the Holy Spirit does the rest. And you know what's so crazy about this is a lot of people don't know that this isn't the first time that this has happened no, to you. It's not. <laughs> and this is the first time it's been popularized and publicized to the scale. Mm-hmm. But there is a common reaction and you're prepared for it and you mentioned it in the letter right. that this is not unusual for you. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to a lecture from um, a theologian named Willie Jennings recently mm. and he was telling a particular uh, theological seminary that if if they don't pay attention they will miss the fact that whiteness as a construct, it kind of clings to people as a second skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that when you start um, speaking truth in response to it, it's almost like you're tearing the skin. So that's why you get the yeah, visceral, yeah. emotional oh, reaction. It's almost like skin is being torn away. But it's not your primary mm-hmm. skin. It's secondary skin on top of that. Mm-hmm. 
And watching you, though, you were unfazed, you were unbothered, you weren't worried about how people were reacting, what they were saying, people walking out. And even in the midst of your call to whiteness um, for people to repent of that and also divest from that, it seems as though that rejection didn't even bother you. And so is that an imperative for being effective in these spaces? Because I see a lot of people, and even myself included, mm-hmm. we want to speak hard truth, but it's, it seems to be in, in certain spaces, we shrink back because there's a fear of man or a fear of the people around us or a fear of the, the powers that be. How important is it for us to be unafraid and to, and to fear God only when we step into those spaces? Yeah, yeah. Um, the reality is that in order for me to discharge my ministry, and I think any of us, whatever their calling is that we're going to do, is that what God wants and what man wants is oftentimes just, you know, polar opposites, right? <laughs> it's just, they usually do not always align, right? Um, and if I was seeking to please God, then I mean, then I wouldn't be pleasing man. If I was seeking to please man, then I wouldn't be seeking God, right? Is what Paul says, I believe, in Galatians. And so, again, this is a ministry that God has given me, right? By his grace, by his power, he's anointed me, you know, to do um, this. And it, it, is, it is prophetic, right? And uh, little P prophets, uh, like myself, uh, have to, by God's grace, be impervious to people's opinions, to people's literal faces, right? You know, like, we cannot mm. be scared you know, of what, um, of, of, of the message and of the people and the people's reception of the message. Um, we have got to set our face like Flint, um, in the ways that Jesus did, right. When he was going to the cross. Um, and so, and, 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 and prophecy, I remember reading this article by, um, Sharon, I think it's Hody Miller. I hope I'm pronouncing her name. Yeah. Sharon Hody Miller. Hody Hody. Okay. Okay. Hody Miller. She wrote it, it might've been a year ago, but evangelicals lost prophetic imagination. And in it, she said that, um, uh, a message, what makes a message truly prophetic is its audience. Right. And so when I was going into that, into that space, I didn't have like remarks planned. Um, but I knew, uh, I, I mean, I, there were some things that the Lord had given me, like I knew I had, I had to say. And so I was like, okay, but but I knew the audience. I knew where we were. I knew that I had to challenge the um, incongruence that I noticed there, which is how are we going to be? How was I going to be in in Texas? And we're under this regime, and I'm not going to challenge 45. <laughs> right. Went me? That's not. I mean, come on. That's impossible. <laughs> For me, that cannot, that's, that is actually very, that's impossible. <laughs> like, like I, I'm always, you know, I'm always challenging um, 45 every, every, all the time, like on the podcast, in my tweets, you know, always, you know, and there was no way I was going to be in a room full of white women predominantly uh, who most likely voted for Trump, 50%, over 50% of them voted for Trump. And I wasn't going to challenge them on that. Come on. Like, you know, and so, so when I go into a space, um, I know that I'm, I'm, I know that there's probably going to be people walk out. Um, but I, oftentimes when I get that type of response, it actually confirms that I'm actually saying what God wanted me to say. 
um, because I understand that the, the spiritual warfare is real. And I understand that I am shaking idols and people do not want to let go of their idols. They do not let go of them willingly. They do not let go of them um, easily. They hold on to them for dear life, even though it's killing them. Um, you know, there was a, 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 a podcast by Chris Hayes. What, why is this happening? Right. And um, there was an episode that came out a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was entitled, uh, what is it? Dying of Whiteness. Mm. With, Yo, that podcast is so good. With I'm Jonathan sorry, we're Metzl. Okay? We're not going <laughs> to go all so deep good. into it. Oh, my goodness. That we're not going to go all deep into it. But the reality is that this it, this whiteness, you know, when you talk about that that second layer of skin, you know, we we oftentimes we're taught to think that it's neutral, right? And that it's invisible, but it's not invisible. It is killing. Whiteness is killing white people is the point of that podcast. It talked about the fact that people in Tennessee, um, I won't belabor the point, but people in Tennessee um, who did not want to expand Medicare under Obama um, to, uh, I think it was white males. I can't remember. It it might've been both white males and females. I'm not sure. Um, but you can, y'all can listen to the podcast and listen. Uh, they lost two to three years of their life, Mm. right? They died two to three weeks earlier because they did not, they decided not to expand Medicare versus say, um, the other state over, which I think was Kentucky that did. So, okay. It was Kentucky. And so, Whiteness is killing white people too. This is why I say we have to divest. White people need to divest from whiteness and so do people of color because it is an idol and it is killing us all. So in just to go to your letter, which was amazing and um, very thorough, uh, but concise too. You use the words secondary trauma in oh, that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so- yes unpack for us what it is and then also why it's so real and so dangerous for black people who have an embodied theology. Mm, yes. Okay. So secondary trauma uh, stress is like the, the emotion. Now I'm not a psychiatrist, <laughs> but it is the emotional uh, stress, you know, that, that people experience as uh, as a result of hearing or seeing maybe um, the firsthand trauma experience of another person, right? So secondary trauma in this case would be the women at the conference in Dallas um, who maybe might might have been on the panel, you know, uh, might have been on another panel, right? Who might be working in the organization, who might be on the worship team, who might just be in the audience, mm-hmm. um, and they they might well a lot of these women had told me they were they were excited for me to come, right? They like they they reason why they came was because you know, I was there. So, 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 you know, so they're like, oh, we want to hear her speak and all that stuff. I spoke, got off. And then they're, they're noticing, oh, wow, she's not showing up on the Instagram feed. What's that about? You know? And then they notice, oh, wait a minute. Like, how come, how come she's not getting a shout out? How come, you know, so they're just, they're just noticing, you know, everything that's happening. Right. And so they see the ways that I'm erased. They see the ways um, that I'm mistreated. And they say that they see the ways that I have been 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 used um and that triggers right their own experiences too you know of being erased being silenced which is a core thing um you know women were black especially black women were often erased marginalized um which is part of the reason why truth table even exists right that's why we say it's a table mm. built by black women for black women and we are adamant about that about keeping it um that way um and so so they 
they uh they they experience trauma. Um, they, they experience it at a visceral level. And so, uh, even though I'm the one who was, you know, uh, who had the firsthand experience, you know, of trauma. And so a lot of these women, some of them are with child, you know, and we know that weathering, uh, um, is, is, has an impact on black women. Weathering is just like the, um, the cum- accumulation of racist, um, acts and impacts, uh, either systemic individually that have impacts, you know, on, on black women uh, specifically, especially when carrying a child, which actually contributes mm. to the high um, infant met- mortality rates and uh, right. maternal mater- um, rates. I don't want to um, misquote the stat right now, so I won't throw out the stat right now. Um, but we will talk about that on Truth Table. Um, but, you know, so I, so now I'm also trying to manage their secondary trauma. So I'm telling them, like, literally, log off. Like log off. Right. God will take care Absolutely. of it. Like this ain't my first rodeo. Yeah. So I'm like, log off, you know, um, take care of you. Um, and I'm telling them, I'm like, sis, take care you and that baby, take care. Mm-hmm. Like just just step away. Step away. Because I cause I mean, people are crying on their Instagrams. Mm-hmm. People are like, I mean, they are in tears, they are broken. Like you would think this happened to them. So that that is the reality of that second um secondary trauma, which is why you see I dedicated that um that, that latter portion, um, to the sisters, you know, who are mm. either in the organization, connected to the organization in some way, um, because they, they have to go back and work there. I mean, the reality is I'm in the black church. Okay. I got saved in the black church. I'm still in the black church. So I'm not in these spaces 24 seven. I'm not. Right. And I don't, I don't know that I could do this work if, ha- if I was not like, you know what I'm saying? Um, 20, 24 seven, it would, I think it would take its toll. Um, on me. So I get the reprieve. I get, um, refreshing. I believe in affinity spaces. All right. Mm-hmm. So I can come back in and do what I'm going to do. But I, I straddle, I live in both worlds, right? Because, because of where I was trained for seminary, I'll probably always be in this, you know, um, in this world. And that's fine. Like I, you know, I, at the end of the day, my, my gospel, my, um, my, um, my ministry is, is fueled by evangelism, which mm-hmm. I don't think a, a lot of people mm-hmm. always catch that, but that's hmm. what I'm doing. <laughs> I am actually also there's another audience that I'm talking to actually. So it's not it's not just the the black folks, not just the white folks, but it's also those who have left the church, those who have never considered the church, those who are not in Christ, okay? Unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm trying to win them um by speaking about this about racism because racism is a stumbling block. It keeps people away from Jesus, especially in America because white supremacy has been so entangled with Christianity. My job as a pu- anti-racist public theologian is to disentangle white supremacy from Christianity. Period. Hmm. And by doing so, I affirm, you know, black people, I affirm people of color. And then and then we, they can see the pure and beautiful light of the gospel. These are unbelievers now who can see the pure and beautiful light of the gospel and be drawn to Christ and say, you know what? Actually, Christ actually does offer, you know, all the affirmation that I need, all the love I could ever want, all the satisfaction I've been longing for and looking for. And he does it in my body. As a brown skinned person, as a dark skinned person, as a light skinned person, as um, one who's, you know, um, um, healthy, stout, big, whatever, <laughs> whatever your, your, uh, your, your embodied self is that God created and fashioned and formed and said it was good. That's the, that's the purity of the gospel that I'm trying to exalt there. So people can mm. say, come, 
come right. and see. And and you talked about this earlier, and that's a reflection of the agapic love that you mentioned. And Jamar and I have been using this phrase a lot this year. Um, we'll say to one another in passing when we're going into a difficult space. We've both had to speak truth in spaces um, in different scenarios that have felt very strange and very strained. And you know, we've we've started saying this thing back and forth to one another that you know, truth is better than access. You know, so you before you step onto that space, remember that it's more important that you speak the truth and never be invited back than to have access and never speak the truth. Yep. And but something that we talked about privately offline is this idea of truth and love. And you mentioned how damaging speaking the truth without love is, but how liberating and empowering speaking the truth with love is. And especially when we're talking about justice and we're talking about human dignity work and we're talking about anything that relates to um, people, whether it's, you know, we're, we're getting ready to, I think, see a, a return to child separation at the border, you know, those types of things. You know, when we say truth with love, speak the truth in love, I don't think we understand how serious that is. And you were communicating to me and illuminating in a lot of ways the seriousness of speaking the truth in love. Uh, so how important is that for us? How vital is that? How much does it hinge on God's truth being actually received in the way that he intends? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're not, in order to be truth teller, somebody who's speaking that truth, you have got to be ap- operating out of a deep reservoir of love and joy. And fighting off um, bitterness uh, and divisiveness uh, um, and anger at any and every point, right? Uh, we have a lot of reasons to be mad as black people in this country. Come on, a man. lot. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you'll never hear me say, er, "Don't be mad." But, 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 as one who is called to speak the truth in love, love does love does not. Um, how can I say? Love does not gloss over true harm, true offenses. Love enter in, enters in and acknowledges that pain, right? And says, how can we make it right? You know, mm-hmm. how can we make these crooked paths straight? You know, uh, we, we live in, in, uh, the overlapping age, two, esch- two age eschatology, right? So, so, the present evil age, we know, is, is here, you know, but the new age has broken in, right, because of um, Christ's advent um, and, and what he's done, you know. And so uh, as one who lives in the gap and, and who's been called to this, ministry, to this ministry, I think part of what I'm, I'm trying to do is, is bring the realities um, of the new age to bear in tangible ways. Um, but the, 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 the method of doing that is love. Mm. Um, it has got to be for the sake of love that I'm going into these spaces. Love for our white brothers and sisters, or, or better yet, to um, borrow a phrase from James Baldwin, f- f- love for our brothers and sisters who believe themselves to be white. Oh, come on. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so love for them. Love to see them truly free, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay, to see them truly free, um, to see our um, black brothers and sisters truly free from feeling that they need to assimilate, for feeling that they need to compartmentalize part of who they are. Um, part of what I when I go into these spaces, I'm, I'm also trying to model what it means to show up, f- to show all the way up 
as a black woman fully um, as that with my natural hair, with my beat okay. on, um, with my hair, my, my clothes, full, show up fully as myself always. Mm. Um, and what does that mean to, to do that thing? I, I think those things are, are also an, an act of love. Um, but I think love with truth is actually what brings about transformation. I think love um, with truth is actually what brings about um, or plants those seeds, you know, of redemption. You know that we can see that that I might not ever live to see that, you know, but but it will God willing bear fruit, right? Eventually, right? Um, the, the Holy Spirit can bring the increase, um, and so you got to be your your the the truth seed that you're going to plant has got to be doused in the waters of love it must be um and you you have to hold out that hope you know that god that pe- god can change people right um and, and and that and that and when you and even if people can't hear you initially um with the truth that you're uh that you're saying because you you did it right out of love because you did it with grace um because you did it uh because you shared it i should say uh with the gospel as the core gave them that 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 gracious invitation through the gospel for invitation toward transformation um then people can maybe possibly listen once again right? right so maybe perhaps the people that were offended in the audience in the audience got up walked out were mad perhaps some of them have listened to the the interview again and have maybe thought again thought twice like Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I was a little premature here. Maybe I jumped up too soon. Mm. Maybe you never know. I don't mm-hmm. know. All, all I know is that I don't get to throw people out. That's what I know. <laughs> I don't, I don't get to cast people out. I don't get to cancel people. I know that's the wave right now. I don't get to cancel people. Mm-hmm. Um, because the one who could cancel me did not cancel mm. me because I deserved a cancellation. Trust and believe. In eternal cancellation, so I don't get so to how, cancel. How you not going? How you going to say we can't cancel you know, Kanye? You huh? know, we got a whole really, podcast. We can't cancel Kanye. We can't cancel Kanye. <laughs> we did a whole podcast, and we should have just talked to you. Before. Oh goodness, y'all! Because <laughs> he was supporting Uh-oh. that president. He was, Uh-oh. you know, I'm parking up y'all's block. <laughs> no, here we go. No, no, step on our toes. Oh, that's good. funny. Yeah, we can yeah, handle yeah. it. That's hilarious. But I don't get to do that, man. Like you know, because that cancellation will be coming right back for our part problematic behinds too okay so there's always something True. <laughs> i'm just saying we how we, gonna, how we gonna have her correct us on Look, our own we podcast did we did go back and listen <laughs> nah we nah we gotta hold the l we gotta hold the, hold l. the l we gotta just, hold the l we gotta just receive the 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 rebuke hold the l and, and bow to change that's funny that's well, i mean love is patient y'all love is kind um love is the most excellent way you know but love does not um, love covers over a multitude of sins, right? Um, but it, it, it does not, how can I say, um, it, it doesn't euphemize that sin, right? It doesn't, it doesn't turn it into, oh, well, it was just a little, a little white lie, a little whatever. No, it, it was a lie. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that is a sin against God. Like, and you, you, and you speak that thing, you know what I'm saying? But there's grace right here. Go on and confess it and come on. Like, the blood will cover it. Let's go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta, you gotta leave room for that. That's why in that letter I talked about, you know, um, praying, 
praying for me, praying for the director. I'm praying that God will help me forgive quickly. I know God will do it. He's already doing it. Mm. It's not a hard thing for mm. God. It's not a hard thing for me. I believe in releasing debts, mm. man. I, right. I cannot be in this ministry and holding um, 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 and, and, and harboring unforgiveness. I cannot operate that in that way. Wow. Not as a truth wow. teller. When you when you are you are called to tell the truth, you have a prophetic calling on your life. You must walk in the light, the beautiful light. Okay, and you must walk with integrity, um, and you has must live above reproach. You know, um, and you must do everything in love and in grace. Because had I had I not spoken with truth, love, and grace, all these people wouldn't have like they would have they would not have had any um um um, um ground to stand on you know what i'm saying cuz it, it would be like well she did do she did say this people that were defend they didn't do that like you know what i'm saying because i i did speak that truth oh it was hard mm. i spoke it in love and i did speak it in grace well by god's grace so as we sort of think about next steps here um a couple of things one it's sort of one of the consequences of like misogynoir is that a lot of people, a lot of people view women as participants, but not necessarily as leaders, which is wrong, but that's the way it is. And so our movement, you know, this, this sort of anti-racist movement, especially from a Christian perspective, it's impoverished because we don't provide the space for black women to lead and give direction. And so we want to provide that space right now and just ask you, what wisdom would you give us, especially the larger group of people who have reacted and supported you after this situation? Um, what guidance can you give us and in, 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 in words of wisdom to share? Yeah, well, um, I would say after this um, incident, I, I want everybody to just go, go ahead and just just go purify yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. I'm just kidding. I had to say that. Sorry. That's <laughs> 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 a purple, purple rain reference. Okay. Come on now. I told you I show up all listen, the way as myself. Listen, so- <laughs> all the way. Put them on game. Some people are going to be like, wait, what? I'm what? So, oh what gosh. I really dated myself with that. I really you, dated you myself know, with I'm that. I'm surprised oh, gosh. Tyler didn't say something. <laughs> I know. He's like, wait, what? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Like, what? I'm feeling it. I really I dated that. myself with that. You know what? Edit that out. Okay. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. No. I'm surprised Tyler didn't say auntie culture. I'm no, sure not. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Don't, don't do me. Don't do me on this podcast. That was I've already been rebuked. That was don't auntie. You know what? My my wisdom right now for people, people are really hurting behind this. I mean, I have to tell you, I've been shocked by how I was like, man, people are really hurting. You know, to, I, I mean, I've been comforting, comforting people. I'm like, wow. Woo, woo, woo. Like, did this happen to you? And so I, so I, I want people to really step away, take time, take stock, you know, of what this incident um, triggered in you. You know, what was the, um, what, what, what is, um, what, yeah, what did it trigger in you? Where did it take you back to? Uh, because people are, are really hurting. Um, behind this, um, to the point where I think uh, Tasha Morrison is actually offering like um, group counseling. Goodness. Actually, as a, I mean, I'm t- I'm telling you, some people are really, really impacted. This, so I want people to step away. Um, if that means step away from social media, and step away, think, reflect, reflect on the circumstances and what what took you back there, and what resources can you um, lay hold of in order to be um, made whole again. 
if, if that's through therapy, if that's through um, a, a, a trusted accountability partner or friend and confidant who you can speak to and talk to with the about this, um, if it's for if if it means that you need to le- leave the white spaces that you're currently in, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. You, everybody has to pray and discern for themselves, right? Does that mean that it's time for you to move on to another place? You know, there's no harm or fault in that. Right. You know, um, the body of Christ is is um, is vast and and and, and um, there are many options and very diverse, you know, um, and so it doesn't mean that you're leaving Christ because you leave a church. Right. You're, you're going to another church. So people have to discern and think about how and why this impacted them so deeply. What's the root of that? Um, and what are some um, and, and either through therapy, um, through um, talking with friends, if it means move, um, sw- moving um, either your, your place of work or your church, switching, right? Those places, by God's grace, I, I believe that God will give you that wisdom on what, what it is that you need to do um, to move forward. And I think people, uh, the wisdom here is that people would actually do um, the homework of learning more about these. We have historians, we have sociologists for reasons. Okay. I believe in common grace. I believe that all truth is God's truth. All right. So we, even if, even if the person's not a Christian, they can still hit on truth. Why? Because they're made in the image of God. And so if what I said offended you um, in that interview, if you are a person who believes himself to be white, or if you're a person of color and you're offended, because there were some, I, uh, apparently I heard that there, um, I think it was Dee Dee Rowe or somebody had said that there were people of color who were also offended. Mm-hmm. Why does my call to divest from whiteness and embrace your God-given ethnicity? Think about that. Why does that upset you? Why are you so um, beholden to whiteness? What is it about that really upsets you? So think about that, investigate, do some self-examination and read, you know, read, 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 and let your prayers, let your times with the Lord inform your prayers. Let your conversations with people um, inform your prayer, but you do your work, you know, do not pass this ball over to people of color, you know, to do the work for you, to do the labor for you of teaching you what this is. You do the work. You are capable. You know, um, um, God's giving you um, a sound mind to think, you know, to reason, do the work. Because um, I gave those resources at the end of the interview for right. people to read. So I, I did give people options. Um, so think about that. Um, and, and I want people to really take to heart what I said, you know, about the upcoming election. I wasn't playing. Yeah. I'm serious. We have options. You know, uh, 2020 is coming up. And it's, 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 it's so make a different decision. My goodness, this is this should not be a tall order, okay? I'm asking you, not, let me know. I don't want to get y'all in trouble. I'm not going to go on. Nah, my book. nah, on. go there. We cool. Absolutely. We cool. We good. I'm just, I mean, That's why it. are you That's mad it. that I'm repeating what this man said? And, I, and by the way, I cleaned up what he said because what he said was so inappropriate that I could not repeat it, okay? So, hmm. I mean, why does that upset you? You know, you need to ask yourself, is this an idol? Is this an idol? Hold it up under the light of truth, which is God's word, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You know, hmm. let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Hmm. Well, that's a great way to end. Akimini, we can't thank you enough for taking some time out. We know you're going to be kind of disconnecting from everything and getting a time of refreshing. 
away from social media. So we thank you for coming on before your break. Yes. And we vow to stand with you. We know we have the privilege of knowing you off mic, off the stage, and we know you're the same person off the stage as you are on. Um, and your same convictions carry through. Mm. And so we thank you for being an example to all of us. Um, you're an example to people internationally, <laughs> and you're an mm. example to your friends as well and the people who know you the best. So thank you so much for being an example to us. And if you ever create a PayPal or somewhere we can pay Black women, let us know. Link us to We'll link to your to your True Sable Patreon in the description as well so oh, yeah. people can I sew into- I do have a into- PayPal too, actually. Yes. Okay. So we're going to put that in this, mm-hmm. the description um, just to make sure that you are receiving your just due for all this work that you're doing. It is so vital. So we charge you to continue and we'll continue cheering Amen. you on Amen. as well. Amen. And let me just say this thing, this one thing. I, I want to make sure that everybody is clear that pray, pray for me, pray for um, the, the leadership of that conference. Um, they have some changes they have to make organizationally and internally. Pray for them. Pray, pray for, pray for all of us involved. You know, I believe that God is getting the glory and God will, um, get the glory. But yeah, pray for them. Pray for all of us. You know, um, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ at the end of the, of the day, you know, um, Amen. And, and God will get the glory. Amen. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.